you're having an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle and autonomy is extremely important to regain as you heal. And it is really the foundation that the rest of your life is going to be built upon. And so that is why it is so important. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. There are many horrific consequences of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, but I think that this one is probably the most damaging. During the course of your relationship, your autonomy is systematically taken from you. And that really prevents you from being able to leave. But even more importantly, it prevents you from living a full and whole life on your terms based on who you are and your values. If you are new to the show, welcome. I'm Sybil Cummin. I am the creator of the Rising Beyond podcast and the Rising Beyond community. And I don't just share the doom and gloom. I really hope that as you listen to these episodes that you can almost immediately take something away from it and put it into action or practice or change a mindset the very day that you listen. I want to not only share the horror of these relationships and how they systematically take away your autonomy, but also what are some of the things that you can do to start to gain that back and start to gain the trust in yourself to make those decisions back. So how is autonomy taken from you in an abusive relationship? And I don't know if abusers like think this. Some of them do. I am sure of it. But that this is their ultimate goal is to take your autonomy so that they have full control, right? If you think of like a cult, which I have done kind of the parallels between these relationships and cults in the past in a previous episode, and the goal is mind control basically in that cult so that you will not question, so that you will do everything that they want you to do. And so whether they all think this or not, this really is the ultimate goal. And then afterwards, after you've left, they want to continue to have some of that autonomy taken from you through post-separation abuse tactics. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too. But while you're in the relationship, some of the things they do to remove this autonomy, it really starts with isolation. If they prevent you from being around people who mirror your amazing traits back to you and who mirror back to you that you are fully capable 
of making decisions, making good decisions, parenting, doing the thing, being a friend, if they can prevent you from being around those people and the only person that's around you is someone who is telling you you are incapable, then that is one of the main major ways they kind of take that autonomy from you. Gaslighting. It's a huge way to get you to question yourself, question your reality, question your sanity, question everything, which then again leads to if you don't trust yourself, you doubt yourself, you start doubting all your choices, then you also kind of have that stripped from you. I think labeling you with, you know, kind of those emotionally abusive that don't always feel initially emotionally abusive labels. So they may say something like, I don't know, you're irresponsible with money. And you might be like, well, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about money or I've never been taught about money. And so you just kind of take that on. And then they may say, well, because you're so irresponsible with money, I am going to manage all of our finances. And if you don't like money or that kind of scares you and budgeting scares you, God, it feels great to have that off your plate. And when you trust this person, because in the beginning you do trust this person, then they can take away so much from you when they use that financial abuse. You are then dependent on them for everything, your basic needs. And maybe you're on the flip side where they are not working and they are ruining your credit and you are the sole breadwinner and you have to provide, they are then using things like guilt and shame to strip away that autonomy as opposed to like, yeah, I would like to you know, put this money into savings. I would love to be able to have a 529 plan for our kids, but instead I have to pay off these horrific credit cards that you've rung up because you wanted a snowmobile. Then they have taken that away from you because the consequence might be if they've used your money, your credit is really poor credit, which has long-term consequences. So in all these ways, the ways they emotionally kind of manipulate things, uh, manipulate the people around you, these are all ways that they have taken away your autonomy. And if it has moved into a physical abusive realm or sexually abusive realm, they have then taken away your autonomy of physical safety and your body being your own. So in those ways, you know, if they are intimidating, if you're there, they're blocking you from leaving. And so then eventually you do what they ask or say, or not even you do what they ask or say, you mind read, oh, I need to do X, Y, and Z so that this doesn't happen later, so that I'm not harmed, my children aren't harmed later. So in all these ways, you are now not in charge of yourself. And that is devastating. And so, you know, you stop trusting yourself. You don't trust yourself to make any decisions. And you lose touch with who you are, what you value. And then, again, then you're kind of stuck. And then guess what? Right? I'm going to add more fuel to this fire. Is the way our system is set up, our larger systems, like the family court system, child protection, 
they also remove your autonomy post-separation abuse, or even sometimes when you're within the relationship, they strip away that autonomy too. So you feel like you can't parent how you would like to parent because you are under a microscope. And sometimes it just feels like you're under a microscope and you could actually make parenting decisions how you would like to, but because you don't trust, you don't do it. And you can't present in court, in family court, maybe the ways in which are authentically you because there's bias in the court system. Maybe you are still emotionally just so raw. And yet someone like me, if you're in the Rising Beyond community or a divorce coach or your attorney is like, you cannot break down on the stand. I tell my people, if you're heading to court, that you get to be a little bit human when you're on the stand or when you're in family court. And so that's not you. (laughs) That's not who you are. You're not getting to make the decision of how to keep your children safe, right? They're saying, hey, here's the parenting plan that I'm signing, and this is visitation, and you still have to have contact with your ex-partner so that they can continue to try and whittle away and not allow you to gain that strength and gain your autonomy back. So our larger systems do this as well. And you're having an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle and autonomy is extremely important to regain as you heal. And it is really the foundation that the rest of your life is going to be built upon. And so that is why it is so important. As I'm a licensed professional counselor, And our number one ethical code is autonomy, is to allow our clients to have the gift of autonomy, that we don't make decisions for our clients. Because, guess what, the next one is like, do no harm. Because when we take away your autonomy, (laughs) then we are doing harm. So those kind of go hand in hand. And guess what, a lot of therapists feel really uncomfortable with this. I, I do a lot of consultation. I do a lot of trainings for therapists who are working with survivors of domestic violence. And this is so difficult for them a lot of times because they see what's happening. They see that their person is not safe and is returning home, is returning to the abusive relationship, and they just really want to tell them, like, no, you need to get out. You need to get out now. This is what you need to do, X, Y, and Z. And they can't do that. I've had many times in my office over the last 12 years in my practice, and then I've been in the field since 2006. But there's so many times when I've been sitting across from a client, they are telling me, these horrific things. And I see it, right? I see the power and control dynamic. I see the abuse. I see the risk. And they don't see it yet. They're not there yet. And they may not even be ready to hear kind of the language of they are in an abusive relationship. And so I can't tell them what to do in that space. I have to, as a therapist, sit with it. The only time I am really overtly directive when I'm in that situation is if I actually believe that my client will not be alive the next scheduled session, like the next week. And then, yes, I am going to tell them. (laughs) 
So if the risk factors are really, really high for fatality or severe injury for them or their children, then I'm going to tell them. But other than that, it is their choice. Because if not, and I take away that autonomy, then I'm just replicating the power and control dynamic of the abuser. So even though it's coming from a place of love and empathy and caring, I am still taking that gift away from you. And so if you've been with a therapist and you feel like, you know, later you're like, what the hell? Like, why didn't you tell me what you saw? Or why didn't you tell me to make this decision? This is why is because it's really up to you to make these choices to start that process. And then if you do have someone that's telling you exactly what to do, then it may be something to question. And so if if they're asking permission, if your therapist is asking permission to give you direct feedback or to give you kind of some specific coaching, I do a lot of kind of family court strategy and coaching in my sessions. And that is when it is being asked of me and the person already has a sense of autonomy. So that's just, I guess, so you can kind of assess where you're at with your therapist or if you're seeking a therapist, kind of what that might look like. So what can you do to start regaining a sense of autonomy? First, I want you to kind of reevaluate or maybe for the first time discover your value system and who you are as a person. And so I think, I'm sure I've talked about this in a previous episode. I don't know what that episode that would be, but a goal is something you check off a list values are something you can do ongoing. So it's like the way you do things. So I really value empathy. I value compassion. I value continued learning. So it's less about formal education, but it's just a constant learning process. I personally value a lot of independence. I want to have literally as much autonomy as as possible. I want to have really safe and connected family relationships. So those are some of the things that that are my values, my value system, just so you get an idea of what it can be. There's a bazillion values out there, but really, what do you value? What are the values that are yours? Who are you as a person? What are the things you like to do? Did you have hobbies before that you loved and you stopped doing? Are there TV shows that you like or books that you read that you enjoy or things like that? So really just starting to discover who you are as a person. And I say it like this is like, oh, yeah, step one. This is so easy. It's not. This is going to be an ongoing process as well. But what it does is it starts. It's like the start of building trust within yourself And if you have trust within yourself, maybe not all around yet, but then you can start trusting yourself to make decisions. And then you can make a decision. You can set a boundary. You can do these things and trust yourself. And then guess what? With each one, you get better and better and better and you gain more autonomy. So what is another thing that you can do and put into place to really help you build that autonomy. This one might feel or seem counterintuitive because I'm talking about being 
autonomous, independent. But this one is actually really important. It is increasing your safe inner circle of support. So going back to what I talked about in the very beginning of if you only have people around you that mirror back things that a lot of times aren't even true about you, right? Like the lies about you, but that are not the best parts of you. And you don't have anyone mirroring back the best parts of you. It's really hard to believe those things about yourself. So putting safe people in your world and so you might need to find these safe people, kind of assess the people in your circle now and how safe are they? How do you feel when you're around them? Those kinds of things. But when you have those safe people in your inner circle, then you can start trusting and you trust them. You're like, oh, they see me as a good mom. I don't, I don't feel like I'm a good mom right this minute, but all these people around me are saying, and I can see it in their eyes that I'm a good parent. Maybe I'm a good parent. Maybe I can try that on. Maybe I'm a good friend, right? So they're mirroring those things back to you so you can kind of try those on. If you have safe people around you, you can also start practicing setting and maintaining boundaries. So boundaries is a huge piece of autonomy. This can even just be like physical boundaries. How close do you stand to people, right? When you're talking, do you allow your ex-partner to come to the door to drop your kids off for visits or are your kids old enough to get out of the car and run to the door? Or does your ex-partner try to come in or how are you responding to them on your co-parenting app? All of these things are ways to set boundaries. And if it's you kind of floating in the breeze all by yourself and you don't have safety around you to start practicing these things or to bounce ideas off of, then it's going to be harder to do that. And then from a nervous system perspective, I've got several episodes on your nervous system. You can go back and check those out. But one of the quickest ways to get out of that fight, flight, and freeze is to be with safe people. It will help bump you back up into that safe, secure state of being, which is your ventral vagal state, so that you can then, again, make better decisions, right? We can make some decisions when we're in crisis, when we're in that fight or flight, and some people are really good at that. And sometimes when our emotions are super high, we don't make the best decisions. So if you can get back in that safe, connected space you are going to be able to make better decisions. So I talked a little bit about boundaries already. That is super important. The next piece is, and this one is honestly probably the hardest logistically, and that is trying to find ways to gain your financial freedom and independence back. I wish I had like all the, oh, step one, two, three, four, five, six to do this because I know financial abuse is a real thing. But I would say first, just become educated in the basics of finances, the basics of budgeting. And if you are uncomfortable around money, there are people that can help you with the basics that are not going to judge you. So if you've never been taught money-related things, I would say getting that first step of education in that area. There's financial therapists. There are financial advisors. What is it? The Purple Purse Foundation through Allstate. 
they offer free financial education. There's a company called, I think this is how you pronounce it, but Finability. It's online. I believe it's out of Oregon. They're amazing. And so they have some basic education for you as well. I'm going to link to these in the show notes if you want to check them out. Um, But there are ways to just start becoming educated in the financial world. So then you can feel more confident making financial decisions, which will then help you gain independence, freedom, and autonomy financially. That's a whole mess, right? The financial abuse piece. But if you can get started It's amazing what these small little wins can do for your mindset and your overall healing. And then finally, if you have pretty significant trauma from either this relationship, a previous relationship, or your life before this relationship, then finding a really good therapist who is trained in trauma, and then whatever your trauma is based in. So if it was child sexual abuse, you need to find a therapist who just doesn't do general trauma. They need to know about child sexual abuse. If it is from your romantic relationship, severe abuse in the romantic relationship, then you need to find a trauma therapist who understands all the things about domestic violence and narcissistic abuse. Again, harder to find sometimes um, right now, just based on lack of mental health providers in our world and that fully understand this. But you need to be able to do that trauma work because if you don't, it stays inside you and you might even feel it in your body. You may not even be able to, you know, have this cognitive thought about it, but you're like, I am triggered all the time. I am hypervigilant all the time. And a lot of times just thinking your way out of that is not going to work and be helpful. So finding a trained therapist to help you with this is really, really helpful and important. So there you have it. There are some ways that you can just start to gain that autonomy. And again, just like it was stripped from you slowly and systematically, it will grow with you in smaller steps, but it will continue to grow if you continue to work on it. So I hope this was helpful. I always love to hear what you have to say. If you know someone in one of these situations, send them my podcast, right? Send them the link. I would so appreciate that. And they would appreciate that too. Again, make sure you're doing it in a safe way if they're not in a safe situation. Again, thank you all for being here as always. And I will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you found hope and support through this podcast, there are a few things you can do to help us continue to provide meaningful and value-packed episodes. First, you can follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're willing, while you're there, you can give us a rating and review, which will help other survivors find us so we can offer them this help as well. And if you have the means and desire to do so, you can click on the Buy Me A Coffee link and help provide a small financial contribution to the show. This allows us to spend more time and energy finding the best guests and providing the most value to you. And if you want to work with me and the Rising Beyond community, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com for details.